to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. We just got assessed on Monday and she actually does need 24 hours care every single day. And the, the occupational therapist said, with two carers. <gasps> so basically, Kathy, for 15 years, me. you've been doing yeah. two people's jobs. Yes, absolutely. But yes. for 24 hours. So you've been doing three yeah. shifts yes, that's of right. two people. So you're doing six yeah. people's jobs. That's right. <laughs> yep. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. Today's episode is about a beautiful mother by the name of Kathy, who has been a carer to her child, Miranda, for the past 15 years. Miranda suffered what seemed to be a little injury at school but it was in fact a major brain injury that has changed her life and her family's life forever. This is heavy. This is a heavy conversation. It is also heartbreaking. Listen to this with a big open heart and be ready to cry because life is so Unfucking fair sometimes. We have the lovely Kathy joining us on the deep today. Thank you so much. Hi, Zoe. Hi. You are a carer. Can you tell us who you care for? I care for my daughter Miranda, who's 22. Um, she was an A student, and when she was seven, she hit her head at school playing soccer. So she has a traumatic brain injury. She has lots of seizures every day. Um, she's totally dependent on me and a carer. Um, she's peg-fed, intellectually impaired, can't do anything for herself. Can we just go back to the incident at school? How mm-hmm. old was she? She was seven, so it's been 15 years that I've been her carer. Seven, playing soccer at school for me sounds very, you know, normal, like it's something kids do every day. What yes. happened? Another child was spinning around a pole. And Miranda was dribbling a soccer ball. And as the child came around the pole, she knocked Miranda out. So Miranda was an unsupervised playground, so no one could really tell us what happened. Um, So Miranda, she received a traumatic brain injury. And as a consequence, she started having seizures straight away, which each day you watch as she loses another skill. So the seizures have taken everything away from her. Initially, when you went to the hospital and she... Did she come to or was she completely? She was put in an induced coma while they ran some tests 
and were transferred to the Royal um, ICU. And they woke her up the next day and that's when she started having her seizures. Um, so we knew there was something wrong with her. Obviously, she had a brain injury, um, but she wasn't able to tolerate any noise and light. And, like, we now know that she was having seizures, but it did take a good six months of having seizures before anybody would sort of listen that there was something really wrong with her. So, you know, at first she went back to school, but we could tell she wasn't functioning. She wasn't dealing with noise or light. She wasn't coping with anything going on around her. She wasn't doing any schoolwork. So, you know, alarm bells, there was something really wrong with her. So, yeah, six months to get any kind of medical attention that, yes, there's something wrong with her. I'm just so shocked. I'm so, something so innocent has turned into this life-altering. Yeah, it was just a normal day at school. Um, she was an A student, very athletic, wanted to be a doctor, wanted to save the world. Like, yeah, she was just the most beautiful girl with so much going for her. So, yeah, just a normal day at school, um, playing soccer in the playground. And, yep, her life's changed. Does she have siblings? Yeah, she's got two older brothers and also one that's two years younger than her. So he was the youngest was five at the time when this happened. So you have a full house. You have a lot going on. I did. I'm just imagining, you know, these skills are slowly deteriorating. You're watching your child change. The fear, I can imagine, is unfathomable you know, yes, what is absolutely. happening, what's yeah. going to happen next. Yes. <laughs> and constant blows of this, another thing happens. Yeah. What was happening to her and her skills and her development? Because she was an A student and going back to school, she couldn't read anymore. So she was getting comments from the kids like, why are you so dumb? Why can't you read anymore? So she knew that there was changes going on in her brain. So she, you know, she'd be saying to me, why am I dumb? Why can't I read anymore? you know, all the questions the kids were asking her. So she knew that was probably the worst stage where she knew that there was changes in her brain, there was changes in her schoolwork, there was changes in everything, and she was really aware of, you know, everything that was going on. And she was having so many, like, little seizures that at the time we didn't really know those seizures, but we knew that something wasn't right with her. Um, so she was well aware that she had changed. She couldn't write anymore. She couldn't do the reading. Um, she wasn't allowed to play sport anymore because if she hit her head again, then we didn't know what the consequence of that would be. So all the things she enjoyed, she could no longer do. She couldn't tolerate her brother anymore. They they used to be best friends. But mm. after the accident, any time he made a noise, it would just irritate her brain. And, yeah, so um, he was a target mm. for a bit of abuse from her. Is that the younger? or Yeah, the, the youngest brother, yeah. Mm. And he didn't understand he was only five years old, why his sister is hitting him, screaming at him, um, because all the activity in her brain made her really aggressive and agitated. So... Um, yeah, we saw a massive personality change. Wow. And so what yes. are you doing to get support through this? Because you said six months of seizures and then nothing. Like you didn't really have any any understanding of what was going on. Yeah. We went back to rehab after three months um, and I was, you know, basically yelling at them for someone to listen to me that there was something wrong with my child. They thought it was a psychological thing because she just hit her head, you know, playing soccer and she was behaving like she'd been in a major car accident. Um, yes. So she, they just thought, thought she was an attention seeker. They ran some tests seeing if it was a psychological thing going on. So basically I was told I was a neurotic parent that I need to ignore her bad behaviour, which her bad behaviour was throwing up, covering it with tea towels and not even telling me. Oh, um, so heart. we'll just treat her so poorly. 
Yes. Um, so it was, it's really hard because I knew that something was changing in her brain. The headaches she was getting, like everything about her was so different. So we left there after I demanded an MRI and an EEG and um, they had put down attention-seeking behaviour on the MRI report. And, wow. of course, it, yeah, so it's just like a disaster. So we go back to my GP. He doesn't know where to send us to. And then it was six months after the initial event where she had a 12-hour seizure and they were like, oh, there's something wrong with her. <laughs> yeah, so um, basically she was put on life support. <gasps> Um, oh. yes. And they're like something seriously wrong with her. And I'm like, I've only been screaming for six months. So she has this 12 hour seizure. I can't yes. even imagine. Yeah. They, they didn't think they were going to be able to stop it. So obviously they intubated her, put her on life support and just kept giving her, you know, so many medications, morphine and midazolam to stop the seizures. And then, um, that led to a, like a three month stay at the hospital um, the first week of that was in intensive care unit where we were told that we wouldn't be bringing her home. I'm confused because prior to this, they didn't believe you. Yes. Now, yeah. after this, mm-hmm. they say you're not bringing her home. Yeah, yeah. Different hospitals. Um, and, yes, there was something serious wrong with her. Um, they had found that she had inflammation of the brain. So they were trying to find out the cause of the inflammation of the brain, which clearly was the 12-hour seizure. Then uh, six months of damage, right? Because no one's believing yes. you. Impact, yeah, sure. impact. Yes. If yep. you would have gotten proper attention, yes, do absolutely. you think that some that things would be different? Yes, they would have. If they had have done some more tests at the beginning, they only ever did a CT scan. They would have seen that she already had the changes going on in her brain, and that she was actually having seizures, and she had been medicated for the seizures. We wouldn't have got the encephalitis diagnosis. What does that mean? So the encephalitis is the inflammation of the brain. Ah, okay. People that get that, they usually don't survive or they survive it with severe disabilities, um, which is what's happened to her. So she deteriorated again after getting that diagnosis. And what what was the change in her at that point? Well, uh, we spent three months having like rehab, physio, speech and occupational therapy. And they realised that she couldn't learn anything again. So she had no, no short-term memory. So while they're trying to teach her things, she couldn't learn. It was full-on three months in hospital and being told that your child will never learn anything again. So we'll, we're going to pass on rehab and send you home. So we went home with a whole new child. Is she verbal at this point? She's 22 now. So about three years ago, she lost all her language. It was just progressive. Yes, yes. So between the seven and a half year old. Yes. Yeah. And the 19 year old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She is no longer verbal. No, that's right. She became very repetitive with her speech um, and, you know, just repeating the same thing over and over again. And then she was down to just a couple of words at one stage. And then she'd had a surgery that, you know, involved her airways. And since then, she hasn't been able to talk. So. Yes, it's been, yeah, probably three years without any, any verbal communication from her. What yeah. is happening in her brain? Is she conscious of her surroundings? Yeah, she is, but only, um, like I said, she doesn't have any short-term memory, so she only knows people that have been in her life, like, consistently. She only watches DVDs that are in her past. Um, so she's aware of her surroundings. Like, like I said, we just came out of hospital 
and she knew where she was. She hated every second of it. And then we get her home and you can see that sense of relief. I'm home. I'm safe. Um, so, yeah, she's definitely aware of her surroundings. It's like she's still aware of everything, but she just has lost that communication. Like she can't communicate to us. Can she move her body? She can. She used to be able to run after the accident, which they were a bit confused by because, you know, she could run, she could shoot hoops, but now she can only walk with assistance and she's got really bad scoliosis. So the scoliosis is just, yeah, happening way too quick. Um, It's pushing on her diaphragm and all her organs. So we're having lots of breathing episodes. Is that linked Um, to the brain? And sorry for my Um, naivety, but I just don't... No, probably not. More so because, you know, she was having lots of drop seizures. So she would just fall to the ground and get hurt. So for her safety, she started spending more time in the wheelchair and using her legs less because as she got bigger and, you know, she's 43 kilos, yeah, it's really hard to walk her around. So we probably weren't walking with her as much as we used to. So just not using it, you kind of lose it and and sitting in the chair and, yeah, so scoliosis is really bad and very painful for her. So the quality of life is absolutely gone. Yes. No, she's on a lot of pain relief at the moment. You know, she can have half a milligram to one milligram of morphine every hour. (gasps) So that's any idea of her, you know, her pain levels. How does she, sorry, express that pain? Um, Yeah, it's funny that she's nonverbal, but we can totally understand that when she's in pain. Like she grimaces. She's nonverbal, but she can make a sound when she's in pain. Mm. Um, it's hard because we know her pain, but if we go to the hospital and she's in pain, we kind of get they don't believe us because she's not screaming like a normal person would. So it's just a sort of another battle that we have because we're, we know who she is we, and she, she gets really agitated. She can't sleep. Um, so that's how we know when she's in pain. Um, she's just really restless and grimacing in the face mostly. So we're talking about her and her quality of life mm-hmm. and there are three other children and there is yes. you and there is your husband in this yes, situation. Right. Yeah. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the impact firstly on siblings. Mm. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I, that's, it's, yeah, it is. It's fascinating. Can you, you know, we obviously know that that took a big toll on her little brother and their relationship. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. What was that like for him and then what was it like for the elder boys? Well, for Jack, he's a a really good football player. Like he plays rugby league um, and he's went to Sunshine Coast Falcons. He got into the um, the team to go to States, you know, Queensland Carnival. He also was a gridiron player um, and he got into the Queensland team for gridiron. So very sporty, but he has never really reached his full potential because he's always scared of hitting his head and the same thing happening to him. So he's lived like fear, anxiety. Um, It sort of changed his whole personality. He was very bubbly, but he had to grow up really quickly. Like he was only five years old when the the ambulance could come and I could be gone for a month. So he had to learn to cook his own meals, get himself to school. He lost his mum in that time too. Yeah, he absolutely did because all my attention was on Miranda. Um, yeah, so, and he, he didn't want to ever bother us with anything. So if he had a problem, he just did it all by himself. Um, yeah, so it's been really hard for him. I couldn't help him with homework, but, um, he just did it all by himself. And I mean, he's an awesome kid. He's done so well for himself. He's actually at uni studying physio. Um, 
considering what he had to go through, you know, just being on the back burner kind of thing. Um, as for the older two boys, their eldest one, he turned to alcohol, drugs. He tried to take his life three times because he, he's a big brother, the protector. So I guess he has like, I think they call it survivor's guilt, where he said, I'm the naughty one, it should have happened to me. So, um, yeah, he's taken that on and um, he, he can't handle it when she has seizures. He just, yeah, he just, he's so emotional about it all. And my second child, he's kind of the strong rock, but he's not one to show any emotions, so we never really know what he's feeling. Um, he sort of backpacked the world probably to get away from our situation um, so he doesn't have to see it, so he travels a lot. Um, he's at home at the moment because of COVID, but he's due to fly out in two weeks' time, so I think he's escaping our reality because really wow. it's just too painful for them to see. Yeah. So, yeah, it's affected all the kids. What's the age difference between Miranda and, sorry, the, what are the elder boys' names? Dylan's 28, Nick's 27 and Jack's 20. So Miranda's 22, the only girl, yeah. So, you know, the only sister. So, yeah, they've all taken it really hard. Really hard, which is an obvious thing, but I think we often don't acknowledge or see the impact on siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely not. It's definitely hard for them. Like I said, um, you know, we tried to get to all Jack's football games. We made a point of that. So we'd just be our time with him. But there was so much time we couldn't spend with the older two. Um, yeah, because we were struggling to get any kind of care. So we just sort of did what we could and plodded along. Do you have family around? As far as support goes, we have the mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. So she's been really good and she um, there's a big lack in support, so she'd come up every second week and help us. She was a nurse for like 45 years, so that was helpful. Um, but in saying it was helpful, it was a waste of it was hard at times as well because mother-in-law's crossing the line and, <laughs> yeah, you know. It's tricky. And, and living in your house every second week and, you know, it, just, it gets really, really hard. Yes. But she was filling a gap that, you know, we weren't getting any support. So we just did what we had to do. And she's in her late 70s now. So um, she's still sort of filling the gap, coming up and helping us. Or if we wanted to get away, she'd come and look after Miranda and, but physically she can't do much with her now. Can I ask about Dylan? Is that your eldest? Yes, yeah. When did you see signs of him not coping and finding other ways? Almost from the start because he's from my first marriage. So when his sister was in there for the three-month stay, um, his behaviour was so bad that I actually sent him to be with his dad for a little while, Mm -hmm. but that didn't work out. Um, so he came. How back. much older was he? Six years older. He's six yeah. years older. So he was thirteen. Yes, that 13. would be right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's yeah. a tricky age, anyway. Yes, and then for sure. add on a massive trauma. Okay. Yes. Yep. So he was just acting out at school. They didn't sort of have any understanding of what we're going through. Um, so you know, he just went through getting suspended every other week, and then he got to it's probably about seventeen where that was the first time he tried to take his life where he put his car into a power pole. Um, 17. Yeah, 17, yeah, yes. <laughs> Hadn't long got his licence, so. And you are at that point dealing with this decline yes. with Miranda and 
the other two children and then you learn that your 17-year-old has done something incredibly drastic and harmful. Absolutely, yeah. How are you keeping it together? I have no idea. I don't know. I think by eating food. (laughs) So I sort of I've eaten 30 kilos of food during this time. So, yeah, emotional eating. Just I'm just thinking of how you are turning up to the hospital for him when this yeah. has happened to them and then who's cooking them dinner and yes, who's getting yeah. them to school. Like I'm just obviously you have your husband. Yes, but he has his own health issues, so he wasn't very helpful at all. Can you tell me about that? Um, yeah, he, he's, he was in the police force, so he's got PTSD from the police force and depression, anxiety. So um, there would be many days where he wouldn't even get off the couch. So everything was, yeah, left up to me. Um, yeah, I did all the care, I did all the cooking, I did the kids. Um, it's only been over the last, say, three years that he started to help. Um, yeah, but so, yeah, I looked after the kids, I did everything. He he didn't cope with the hospital system. Um, so often I'd be at, alone at the hospital with Miranda, you know, getting all that yeah, the conversations that no one ever wants to hear. So often I'd, I'd be all alone. You know, when we put under palliative care, I was by myself because he wouldn't talk to them. Oh, my God. So a lot of the hard yards were done by me. If we had to go to hospital, there was times where he basically threw us at the car in the turn circle <gasps> because he couldn't handle it. So, yeah, he doesn't like hospitals and, yeah, just can't handle it. Um, that's his only girl. When I met him, he just wanted to have a daughter and her name is going to be Miranda. So, yeah, to see her unwell, he was in denial probably for the first six months until probably the 12-hour seizure. Um, so I felt like I didn't get the support that I needed of him. But, yeah, I think men are often in denial about what's really going on. Um, so obviously I'm talking to the rehab doctor about how bad she is. And because he's not supporting me, then I probably do look a bit neurotic. Um, yeah, so he doesn't deal with the hospital situation at all. Kathy, this is unfair. Yes, and you no, know, it should have been a normal day at school. But yes, yeah, definitely affected the whole family on many ways. You know, I could probably talk for fifty hours, and we still wouldn't even touch. You know, what's actually gone on in our lives over the last fifteen years. Where are you at? Because I believe we spoke. I don't know. I, COVID makes me confused with time. I know. But <laughs> yes, I believe we spoke. <laughs> maybe a year ago, I'm not even yes. sure. Yeah. And I believe at that time you were still married and then I touched base <laughs> with you after some time and you said, just in the middle of a divorce, can we <laughs> check back in? Yes, yeah. We separated in August. Um, yeah, so we tried to live in the same house because obviously I can't just leave the house and get a rental mm. because I'm a carer. I don't have any income. Um, I can't work full time because I can't look after Miranda and work. Like I said, we just had a week at the hospital. So it would be my employee would be letting me have time off every other week. Um, so yeah, it, it meant that leaving was really hard because I had nowhere to go, no support, no family to go to. So we decided we would just stay in the same house, but that was never going to work. So I think we just got through Christmas somehow. And I would be going every second weekend so his mum could come up here and see Miranda. And they would have Miranda for a few days. I'd, you know, I'd, I'd basically be homeless for that every second weekend. Um, I'd couch surf. 
so he could spend time here with his mum looking after Miranda. And we just got through Christmas just. And then we had another argument where I said, I can't live here anymore with you. And I basically had nowhere to go. So he's left now and he's staying at his mum's house. Mm-hmm. but he still comes back here every second week. So every second week I still have to go and couch surf somewhere. So it's not an ideal situation. No, but <laughs> yes. no, no, yeah. no. But I can't go and get a rental. I mean, one, income, two, I need the equipment. I need all the modifications we've got here. So we can't just go and get any normal rental because how do I shower her? You know, it's got to have ramps. It's got to have wide door access, yeah, all those things. And you can't just go get public housing because that's not how anything works. Um, I mean, I think the waiting list is like years and years and, you know, there's not really any emergency housing. And, yeah, the system, the whole system just is cracked. So what are you going to do? I have no idea because at the moment this is kind of working but not really working. Mm. Um, But I really don't have any other options. So the only other option is to stay here and ride it out and, yeah, because I see this as being Miranda's house. Mm. So we just treat this as her house. He comes and sees her for a few days while I go. And then, yeah, that's probably at the moment, I don't think we could be in the same room together because uh, mm. it's just so much tension. So, <laughs> yes. Um, so it's not really working, but it's the only option we have. Yeah, so that's been hard, very hard. I just want uh, a break for you. I just want a, a yes. good moment for you in all that of this. That would be nice. <laughs> that would be lovely. But <laughs> To get your breath and to get some oh, joy. Yeah. Yes. I used to go cruising, but we can't even do that now. So I'd go on a three-day cruise and rest and relax and come back home. But um, obviously COVID. <laughs> yeah, so um, that, was, that used to be a good break and it would reset me for a little while. Is that what makes you happy? Yes, cruising. Okay, a big cruise Any, ship. Anything, anything. <laughs> but I guess it's really just es- escaping my reality, but it works for a while. <laughs> yes. But I guess I haven't had that lately. <laughs> you haven't got to fill your cup. No, so I'm feeling totally burnt out. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I just, you are, I feel in just complete survival mode constantly. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. From the day that it happened, it feels like the past 15 Mm -hmm. years has been whatever it takes to get through to the next minute, the next moment, the next day. That's right, (laughs) yes. I try and only look at what I have to do today and if I look at what I need to do for the month, it's just so overwhelming. So, yeah, I'm just what do I need to (sighs) do today to get through today? (laughs) Yes, it's pretty much how I roll. What can, like, I'm not trying to come in and rescue you, but I know that so (laughs) many people are going to be hearing this going, what can I do? Like, we don't know you. We don't know even how to help you, but what do you need? Like, is there government funding? Are you being supported? Like, is Miranda having her needs met? Are you having your basic needs met? the carer that you've got, are they there enough? Like I just need to know what this looks like and how people can potentially help. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, So because we're under NDIS now, we are getting more care than we used to get. Um, Originally I would get six hours of care a week, which was just crazy when you're only sleeping one to three hours every night. Hang on, who's sleeping one? 
I was sleeping one to three hours every night. Um, so because Ramona has seizures all night, every night, we have to co-sleep with her. So at one stage, because she had all this irritation in her brain, she wasn't sleeping at all. So the most I would get would be one to three hours Kathy. every night. And that was like 10 years of that. So Kathy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's kind of crazy. To and think you about get NDIS, which is government funding, mm-hmm. but that yes, was six yeah. hours. That was before NDIS. We got six hours of care a week. A week. So now, and yeah, a week. NDIS are on board now. It's better. Yes, a week, six hours a week. Yes. So we're sent home with this child that we didn't know how to manage or look after, and we had six hours care a week. So, so we are grateful now that we're getting more help on NDIS and we get a lot more care now. How much care? Um, I mostly get day shifts, and then I get two nights, two overnighters a week, where someone will come here and stay and amazing, so I can sleep. Yeah, Amazing. which is great. But also, but, like, not enough. No, no. I, we just got assessed on Monday and she actually does need 24 hours care every single day. And the, the occupational therapist said, with two carers. <gasps> so basically, Kathy, for 15 years me. you've been doing yeah. two people's jobs. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But yes. for 24 hours. So you've been doing three yeah. shifts yes, that's of right. two people. So you're doing six yeah. people's jobs. That's right. <laughs> yep. Yes, so that was from you know, a professional who's looked at her. I don't want this to sound disrespectful, but <laughs> yeah, I know no people way. are going to be thinking this. Is how Have you had any kind of emotional or nervous or mental breakdown? I've been very close, which is why my marriage has ended because I obviously extra stress. Um, I felt like my heart was skipping beats and I couldn't breathe. And I have had at least one, well, this week alone I've had three panic attacks in the hospital, um, but I've had one major panic attack here where I thought I was having a heart attack, but I worked out she's an anxiety attack. Um, and that's just what I'm, what I'm acknowledging. But the last week in hospital I've had at least three major panic attacks. Because yeah. we're wearing masks in the hospital now, we're in PPE gown all day without a break. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you're hot and you're bothered and, yeah, so we've had, this is probably the last week in the hospital has been the worst admission I've ever had. Oh my god! And Kathy, we're talking, and you got out of bloody hospital today. No, Why? We, we actually got out last night, so that's oh okay. Oh god! <laughs> yeah. I haven't untouched yet or done anything, but Kathy, yes. you don't need to be talking to me. <laughs> no, it's okay. I wasn't going to pull out on you because I think <sighs> people are unaware that you know there's people there's people like worse you. off than me. There's people worse off that have been doing How? it. How? How can they be or, worse? They've been doing it for 30 or 50 years. There's 70-year-old carers out there looking at their 50-year-old children because we don't have the option of putting them into a nursing home because they won't get looked after. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, this is where I wanted to ask, which is would be the most terrifying thing for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tell me what happens when you can't care for Miranda. That's my biggest fear, um, which is I don't know because I wouldn't put 
I couldn't put her on the boys to look after her. I've got a really awesome carer friend who said she would look after her. But Kathy, I can know, hear your heart. <laughs> yeah, because I, I cannot two. have her go to a nursing home um, because she because she's still she can be quite mobile where she can throw herself out of bed. Like she's had so many injuries, um, with broken bones, you know, broken noses, smashed teeth. Her eyes are being split open a hundred times and falling. So they would not look after her like we look after her. Um, also, we've had some bad experiences with carers. So the trust factor is zero. And I know that she would not get 24-7 care. What has happened that hasn't been great with carers? <laughs> we could be here all night. Um, we've had a, a quite a few incidents. Um, one, she was locked up there because of her behaviour. <laughs> her behaviour was seizure-related. Her behaviour from her brain injury. Yeah, from her brain injury, yes. That uh-huh. she couldn't control, control. Yeah. that yeah. wasn't uh-huh. a behaviour or a choice. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. She was um, locked in a room. Locked in a room. She's been locked up at school, at the school the accident happened at. She was locked in the padded room there. She was locked outside in the gated area. Like a dog. Like a dog, yeah, worse than a dog because she was – they were told she was never to be left alone because of seizures and yeah, she's locked outside because of her behaviours or locked in rooms because of her behaviour. Um, we've had carers that have fallen asleep on shift, fallen asleep in my bed, by the way. Um, yes, and then Miranda somehow, this is when she was mobile, walked down the stairs. She could have easily fallen, she was, you know, being by herself and that, um, which would have, you know, more injuries. We've had a carer open my balcony door and Miranda's fallen off the balcony. Um, we've had oh. awful stuff, so I have no trust with carers. We picked her up one day and she had her hands across her face and she's screaming, don't hit me, don't hit me, don't hit me. So we don't know who hit her, but we know somebody hit her. So these are some of the things that have happened and there's been, you know, I could name 20 different incidents. So, yeah, so she's like going to a nursing home. We don't even use a respite centre anymore. We have our own private carers. I'm yes. just like losing my shit. Yes, I was too. Yep, that's how I was. Because, you know, especially the school incident, this happened at school and I thought they'd look after her at school and they didn't. So, you know, she's treated worse than a dog and, yeah, so, this, you know, the whole school incident is, yeah. anyway, yes. So, yeah, I cried many days, cried myself to sleep many nights. Um, yeah. I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely, it's I wouldn't wish it so upon anyone. It's just so fucked up. It's just so it fucked up. Yeah. The worst yeah. thing is the education department gets away with having no supervision um, because it's an accident. So no one's taking responsibility. And um, you get nothing. Yeah. You get no. No, no. No, no one is responsible. No, it's just an accident, you know. Even though there was no supervision and someone was spinning around a pole, it's just an accident. So, you know, Miranda's had to pay the price for. I can't. I can't. It's too much for my little brain to yes, comprehend. Yes, too much for my little brain too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So we are coming up to 15 years. Yeah. You are a magnificent hero. You no, are an absolute <laughs> hero. You are the most incredible mother. <laughs> Unconditional, incredible, beautiful strength. No, I don't know. I, but absolute. I'm probably, I'm absolute. probably my own biggest judge, but I judge myself all the time that I didn't do enough. 
No. I don't do enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, you're doing it. I should have screamed louder. <sighs> yeah. No, you so are. Lots of guilt. No guilt. Yeah. None. Yeah. You are. You're an absolute hero. You are uh, what you are the epitome of unconditional love. Uh, you really are. Yes. And what you have done for these beautiful children and the boys and trying to yeah. be everyone and everything to everyone and everywhere. Yeah. And you, like in all of this, where are you, Kathy? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere. I tried to find myself a few years ago, um, you know, who was I? What do I like to do? Um, but, yeah, the mother guilt because, you know, I, I did salsa dancing. So that was taking time away from being with her. So I was guilty because I was spending time away. Then I was getting guilted for spending time away from her. Or who guilted going out. you? Who? Who? Um, my husband, my mother-in-law, um, some friends. But it was the only thing I was doing for myself and it was the only thing that was keeping me sane. To go out and dance and just be free oh and to be gosh. to be Kathy, not yes, Brenda's Kathy. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, yeah, that was the worst thing I could have done um, because yeah, I've just been guilted for it, and they made that to be a big bad thing because you know, how dare I do something for me that was probably going to help me continue to be a better mum and a better carer? Have you gone back to it? Well, I've tried to, but COVID hasn't been helping because I've said to my husband, I'm not giving. I'm not giving up dancing. I told him that I'm going to dance because if I don't dance and I'm not here, I'm not going to be here for anyone, you know, because there's been times where I've, I've been suicidal, but um, I, I believe know you. Yeah. I know. I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I've talked to many carers and I can, I reckon not like, all the carers out there have had times where they're suicidal as well. And what keeps them going is that if they're not here for their child, then who looks after their child? So, just, I've had carers come to me and say they're going to take their own life and their child's life. Like that's <gasps> disgusting that people feel like that because um, the carers support. are being so let down. The yeah, the support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've sort of had the burdens of other carers telling me that and like what do I do with that information? How do I help them? Can we backtrack? Can we backtrack a second? Because you said that she has just been assessed at needing two full-time. Yes, like 24 yeah. hours round the clock care. Yeah, Will you right. get that? No, no, I won't get it. Um, Will you get no. more help? No, I doubt it. I doubt it. We just tried to get her a bathroom done off her bedroom and NDIS knocked us back on that. So um, <sighs> so everything's a fight. They don't give you anything. You have to fight for it. You know, it's kind of like who's got the time to fight. Look, so, like I'm not trying to, again, rescue, but I'm just trying yeah, to be resourceful yeah. and I'm – we have a lot of trauma on this show, you know. We have a yeah. lot of people that have lost a lot. And, you know, I'm seeing more and more that people are doing GoFundMes. Yes, but no. <laughs> Talk no. to me. Um, so years ago um, the only thing that takes Marina's pain away is swimming and her pool collapse. So a friend from school did a GoFundMe account to get Marina a pool and I lost family and I lost friends because they thought it was disgusting that I was asking people for money. So I lost a friend of 19 years. Um, I lost my mum. I lost my sister. <gasps> they were terrible. Like, um, yeah, because, you know, someone was, people were willing to help me and give to Miranda. And they, 
you're not using it for fun you're using it to help you survive it was taking her pain away that's the only thing that took her pain away it's the only thing she could still do that she enjoyed obviously we'll help we're supporting her in the pool um but yeah it was I mean I'm glad we have the pool for her now but and then I said to myself, well, do you really lose true friends? Probably not. No. So. <laughs> no you and you don't. know what? Like, yeah. fuck you. Just do another GoFundMe now. Like, they're gone. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I don't think I could because I didn't feel we got the support that we thought we might have got, if that makes sense. Like, strangers were great. They came on board. But people were like, why don't you just sell your house and downsize? Wow. Like, wow. We were building wow. a house before Marina got sick. So wow. all we've done since living, been living here is modified it to make it better for her. And as if I was going to have any more ter- turmoil in the boys' lives, like at the moment they could be upstairs away from her so they can have their own space. Why would I downsize? I'm like, a house isn't big enough downstairs with all her equipment. So, yeah, I just got I got so much abuse during that GoFundMe um, time. So I was kind I'm of so not never again. You're traumatised yeah, yeah. from it. You don't want to yeah, ever do that was, again. The abuse was awful. Like things like, why don't you just go back to work? I'm like, if you How? don't think caring is a job, what the How? fuck? And also, <laughs> yeah. like, you're not getting paid to do, like, no, how fantastic no. if you got paid to look after Miranda, but you don't. Yeah. yeah. You know, know, like. Our carers get $45 an hour. Like, that's what we pay wow. our private carers through NDIS. And yet, what do I get? <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. I'm saving the government so much money by not having her in a nursing home. But if you ask for the smallest thing, then you, you've asked for too much. So. Um, so like I said, we've been knocked back for a bathroom for her. Um, yeah. And is it, do I want to fight it? Probably not because I've got no more fight left in me. Um, so she'll just continue to use the, you know, the common bathroom, which she doesn't have any dignity. She has to go from a bedroom naked half the time, full of poo into the family bathroom that everyone else has to use, you know? Um, so yeah, Yeah. the situation isn't ideal, but yeah, yeah, I don't have no fight left in me now. I get I've been fighting for 15 years to get anything so I get you I get and like totally hear you yes what (laughs) yeah what happens though this is going to be an awful question and I have to do this I have to do this sometimes I've been asked everything it's okay if she loses everything in there Mm -hmm. yeah if she is pronounced like I don't know Mm -hmm. what it's actually called but mentally Yes. Yeah. Void. Yes. Um, well, we, in asking that, we've been under palliative care for about seven years and we have recently filled out a um, advanced care directive plan. So we've decided that she won't be having any more surgeries because she's had about, I don't know, maybe 15 surgeries already um, for various what reasons. What does that mean then if she doesn't have any more? Um, if she needs something major, like say this week we've been um, she aspirated, which is you know something that happens for her. What does that mean? Sorry, what is aspirated? If she gets any saliva in her mouth, she she swallows and it ends up in her lungs. So like okay. pneumonia, yes, so pneumonia. So you know pneumonia could take her life at any minute. Um, so we were in hospital for that, but she happened to be positive for COVID as well. Um, oh my God. How did she get COVID? I'm assuming she's like, is it a carer that get, got her COVID? Possibly. She went to a day respite place and that kid's there had it. 
So the kids are probably passed it on to the carer sure, and then to Miranda. Sure, yeah, sure. so carer got okay. it as well, but yeah. Um, nightmare yeah it was it especially was because if she has imagine. lung issues like yeah, yeah. terrifying well, she was fine with the covid bit it's just they were treated her as having covid not aspirating oh, so she okay. hasn't had any antibiotics she's only been having steroids oh so the treatment we'd normally have for aspiration hasn't happened um they've just treated her for the covid part so um, what does that mean then what's the aspiration doing currently She's still got it in her lungs and she's still gurgly and she's probably going to need antibiotics to clear it. Um, it usually takes about six weeks to recover after it. Wow. And she never gets back to where she was. So. Um, wow. So hang on. So it just feels like a cruel decline into the mm-hmm. abyss, right? Yes. Like an awful yep. existence yep. eventually, if not Absolutely. already. So when, you know, we haven't got to the not for resuscitation part yet, um, we're going to assess the situation. But if she has no quality of life and her pain is too much to manage, then, yes, um, like I said, we're under palliative care. We're already doing the morphine. We're already on the pain meds that dying cancer patients are on kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, we don't want her to become a vegetable in bed without any quality of life. So I had, to, I had all these questions asked, you know, on Tuesday night at the hospital because um, a lot of the COVID things, um, she may have had to be intubated. Mm-hmm. They just want to know how far are you willing to go? And there's Already. a hard lung bot. Bi- yeah, there's a hard lung lung bypass, and I'm like, no, we're not going there. We're not going surgery. So, so hang on, I just want to get really clear from now on. Yeah, yeah. If anything really dire happens and any yes. surgery is involved to bring her back, yeah. she won't. It's no. a no. It's a no. It's a no. Yeah. Yep, and I understand that. I understand yeah. that. So yeah. from now on. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've actually had it in place for a little while now. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much our plan. That She's been through enough. Um, yeah, so we don't want her to – we just want – we're just managing her pain now. Um, so there's no treatment for her seizures. We've tried everything out there, including surgeries. Um, so we're trying to manage her pain, give her some quality of life. Um, yeah, so she definitely won't be going to any more surgeries. So you've been in palliative care for seven years? Yeah, I think it's seven years. Yeah, a long time now. So basically there was no more treatment for her. Do they give you a time? I mean, this is a hard question, but a yeah. lifespan? Um, they told us she wouldn't become a teenager and she did. Okay. Um, yeah, they told us she could die of a grandma's seizure, tonic-clonic seizure, liver failure. Um, like any time? You know, like any time, any time, okay. yeah because she has no seizure control at all. So on a normal day, she would have like 12 tonic-clonics, which are big seizures. The small seizures come every minute. So every minute of the day, her brain is just firing. So that were the seizures that were making her fall down all the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm thinking possibly now it'll be an aspiration that will take her life because she's, you know, she's prone to aspirate. And a, a lot of kids that are medically fragile like this die from aspiration pneumonia. How does one pass like that? Um, well, I know that palliative care get involved and, um, yeah, it's, I've, I've watched a few kids pass away now in similar circumstances um, and it's awful. It takes Sometimes it takes a couple of weeks for them to pass. Um, one case, they took food away from him, so just stopped <gasps> feeding him. It has to be a painful death because he can't communicate. He's nonverbal. Like, how do you know he wasn't in pain? And, you know, it took him it took him quite a while to die. So, 
and that has to be a painful way to go. And there's no euthanasia available. Well, I did hear that it's been legalised, but probably for people that are still, you know, say, hey, I'm, I don't want to be here. And I've, I've had a couple of friends pass with bowel cancer and leukaemia and they had control of their morphine and mentally they could do that. But Miranda can't say, well, hey, I'm going to have a bit, bit too much morphine tonight. So it's basically in the hands of whoever's treating her. And, um, and yeah, it, it and could that take is illegal weeks. though, right? Because yeah, basically it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you want as a mother when that time comes is do you want an option? Um, I guess if she was just to go peacefully, you know, to sleep would be ideal. But, um, yeah. It's inhumane. It's yeah. inhumane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's never gotten better. She's never, you know, learned how to do something new. She's just had stuff taken away from her every single day. Um, she used to love food. So about three, oh, on, two years ago, we had to take food away from her because she kept aspirating on food. So that was really hard for us Aww. because a lot of our outings involve food. Her friends, they meet up. They, they can all eat, but she has to watch them eat. And she loved food. So that was really hard taking the food away from her. Um, and she would still reach out, try to get food. But if we had a cat feeding, she's got a feeding tube, but if she had a cat eating orally, um, she would just be aspirating, you know, every other week. So, of yeah, course. that was really hard taking that away from her. Um, yeah. Yeah, it just feels like every day something gets taken away from her. Um, and, you know, now her walking's getting hard and, yes, it's a battle. And scoliosis <laughs> is awful. It's yeah, just... scoliosis is bad. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, full on. It's just, uh, it, it's an impossible situation. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, we have to fight to get any kind of assistance and, you know, and the judgment that people give you. Which is just disgusting, just People disgusting. People don't see carers as workers. They just see us as bludgers that go out and have coffee. I can't. And I'm like, look, maybe I, I go and have a coffee because that's the only time of day where I'm normal because, you know, the rest of the day I'm a carer. Of course, of course. Yeah. I guess that's been one of the hardest things for me to deal with is the judgments. Um, yeah. Because, you know, absolutely. we're not acknowledged as workers. We're just, Yeah. And I don't know anyone that works harder than carers. <laughs> I don't either. You're absolutely a hero. You are. Absolutely. I wanted to mention, I found you through the Carers Foundation. Yes. Yeah. Tell Bonnie. me about what, has that been helpful? What does that do? Absolutely. So I've been out to the Carers Foundation a few times now. Um, a couple of times on like a three-day retreat, other times for a day retreat. And I've also been invited to their events. Um, it's just somewhere where we can go and just forget about our woes. Um, we get pampered, we get facials, massages, we get to do yoga. We get someone to bring the food to us. Um, Ronnie and Janelle and the team that out there are amazing that they don't get a lot of funding from the government. They rely a lot on charities and fundraisers. Mm. Um, when Ronnie bought me breakfast the first time I stayed out there, I just cried because no one had ever bought me breakfast because I was just everyone's carer. Um, yeah. So um, we got to talk to people that understood where we we're coming from, that understand how hard it is being a carer. Um, we got to find out resources. Um, I met people that were at breaking point. 
uh, absolute breaking point. If they didn't go to the Carers Foundation and talk with other people there, they may have just taken their own lives. Um, wow. Yeah, and I guess, you know, as a carer, you don't feel so alone because there are other people out there doing, doing it just as hard as you. It's sometimes harder. There's young kids that go out there, teenagers that are caring for their loved ones, um, 13 and 14-year-old kids looking after their parents, um, you know, the teenagers and they're looking after their mum and dad. Um, yeah, so it, it's just it's something that needs to be available 24-7 for carers. So mm. when we're at breaking point, we've got somewhere to go. What a brilliant creation well I think then that helps me understand okay if you're not going to accept a GoFundMe or any donations then people (laughs) people can give to the Carers Foundation Absolutely, and I'll put that link in our show notes and people that money will help you in some way no definitely um absolutely will help so I know the Carers Foundation are trying to get money together to buy um like a I guess a new house um so they can yeah, invite more carers out and be available. Wow. Ultimately, I know Ronnie wants to be available 24-7. Um, so, you know, yeah, so if we're at breaking point, we can just call up and we can go. But until they get the funding, um, yeah, I just I hope it happens soon, you know, because we don't really know how many lives they're going to save. And Sure. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And, like, carers don't pamper themselves. So unless we're going out to the foundation and getting a massage, it rarely happens otherwise. <laughs> There's no self-care. You have no self-care. Yeah, well, financially, you know, you might not have the money for the self-care. Um, mm-hmm. Emotionally, you you know, it's just, yeah, um, just finding time to go and do it as well. Um, yeah, when you're a carer, you definitely come last. Um, yes, so that's where you can go to the foundation and massages and yoga and, and yeah, wow. just feel pampered and, and restore. Kathy. Our last question yes. <laughs> is, who are you when no one's watching? Ah, yes. Um, well, who am I? Um, this is where my husband and I fought <laughs> because um, I have a few little nicknames. <laughs> so like Rampager, Party Animal. So when no one's <laughs> watching and I get to go out and dance, uh, yeah, I'm just like, you know, the one that I suppose I'm the clown that, makes everyone laugh and yeah that's stupid shit <laughs> i love dancing i love music music's being my savior i always have music playing um because it blocks out all the noises in my head um yeah so people see me people that don't know i'm a carer just think oh, oh look at her she's having an awesome time she's so happy yeah look at her having a great time and it's and often they get to know my story and they're like really <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty wow. good at faking it. <laughs> no, but that's who I am. You know, I love to go out and have fun and I love helping people, giving to everyone. Um, yeah, just helping where I can. Yeah. You are a queen. Thank oh, you. Thank you so. <laughs> so much for your time today. Thank you. Um, wow. Wow. Just the fact that you shared with us the way you have, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for being with us today. No worries. Thank you for having me. And, yes, if you want to um, support the Carers Foundation anyway, it would be awesome. You're helping all the carers. And, yeah, like I said, anyone, anytime can become a carer. So you just never know who you're helping. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram 
at What's the Deep. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.